0: He, <laughs> Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim.
1: And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This month, we return to our listener library for a series of episodes suggested by you, our mysterious listeners. Today's episode was recommended by a listener who not only shares my name, but apparently my taste in radio. Joshua suggested we listen to The Young
0: Man with the Cream Tarts from Escape. Escape was an anthology series designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure, featuring stories filled with danger and excitement, many of them adapted from classic literature. Author John Dunning, in his book On the Air, the Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio, describes the basic formula of Escape as a strong protagonist facing the impossible alone, rising to conquer or be conquered.
2: The series debuted on CBS July 7, 1947, and ran until September 25th, 1954. Due to erratic scheduling by the network, Escape had difficulty attracting a long-term commercial sponsor. The only significant period of sponsorship was a four-month stint by the Richfield Oil Corporation. Despite these challenges, Escape consistently produced some of the very best drama on the air.
1: The Young Man with the Cream Tarts was adapted from an 1878 story by Robert Louis Stevenson. It was the first in a trilogy of stories featuring Prince Florizel of Bohemia and his traveling companion, Colonel Geraldine. The Man with the Cream Tarts, along with the other two stories, The Physician and the Saratoga Trunk and The Adventure of the Handsome Cab, were later published as a single volume entitled The Suicide Club. Portions of the trilogy were also adapted for radio by Murder at Midnight ABC Mystery Theater, and CBS Radio Mystery Theater.
0: Escape's adaptation is particularly notable for its stellar cast. Paul Frees, the man of a thousand voices, plays the prince. Bill Johnstone, the voice of the shadow, plays Geraldine. And Barton Yarborough, a.k.a. Donkin, I Love a Mystery, and Sergeant Ben Romero in Dragnet plays the titular young man with the cream tarts. And that list doesn't even include Escape regular William Conrad as the president and legendary producer William M. Robeson as writer and director. So what
2: are we waiting for? Let's listen to The Young Man with the Cream Tarts from Escape. First broadcast
1: November 12th, 1947. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen
3: to the voices.
4: Started your Christmas shopping yet? Worried about where the money's coming from? Want to get away from it all? We offer you escape. Escape. On a green felt table with a dozen desperate men waiting for the turn of a card. If it's the ace of spades, you will be next, and you desperately desire the impossible. Escape. Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and carefully plotted to free you from the four walls of today for a half-hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to London of the last century, a London of gas lights and hansom cabs, a London where a gentleman still valued his word of honor above his life, a London of which one terrifying incident is recorded by Robert Louis Stevenson in his unforgettable story, The Young Man with a Cream Tart. a little amusement tonight. Well, bottoms up. Let's be on our way. Righto. Your health. And I yours.
5: You like be you
4: well, now, what's this? A young man with a tray of cream tarts. He's giving them away. Well, perhaps one of the turns on the bill. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Shall we go? Yes, let's.
5: I pray you accept this inspection. for if you do not, I'm bound to eat it myself. You must be crazy. I'm oh, never more sane, you refuse. Mm-hmm. I do. There's nothing for it but my 27th tart since 5 o'clock. Mm. Now there are but two left. You, sir. Yes? Will you so far honor an entire stranger? It's really excellent pastry. I
4: should know I've eaten enough of them. It is not the nature of a gift that is important, but the spirit in which it is offered. The spirit, sir, is one of mockery. Mockery,
5: and whom do you mark? Myself. However, my purpose at the moment is not confession, but rather distribution of these cream tarts. Won't you and your friend dispose of the last? Yes, yes,
3: on one condition:
4: if my friend and I eat your last two cakes. We shall expect you to join us at supper. Supper is a horrible thought. I've already eaten two dozen of these pastries. Very well, then we shall omit supper. And become better acquainted over a bottle of wine.
5: I'm uncertain whether my repugnance for these two remaining parts of the attraction of your invitation compels
4: me. But I accept Excellent. Then let us finish off your pastry and seek a more quiet place. How about Michelle's in Soho? Splendid. Shall we go?
5: Excellent wine and two excellent friends. I drink to your health.
4: And we drink to yours. Uh, I'm sure you will understand my curiosity. But you are curious. Naturally. Although I suspect that your story is probably a silly one. Oh, indeed. You may rest assured that we are two of the silliest men in England. My name is Godall, Theophilus Godall, and my friend here is Major Alfred Hammersmith.
5: I like you, Mr. Godall. And you, Major Hammersmith, though I suspect those are not your so right names. It is of no importance. Exactly, nor is my name, so I will not divulge it. Although I see no reason why I should deny you my story, it's brief and foolish. Pray tell us, sir. It's an oft-told tale. A modest fortune which I squandered in the usual ways of cards at cards the horse races in Paris. Then two months ago I met a young lady exactly suited to my taste in mind and body. My heart melted. I was in love too late. Yesterday, my solicitor warned me that I had but a hundred pounds left in the world. Forty of these I used last night for a special purpose, and I have agreeably spent the day disposing of the remaining sixty pounds in as foolish a manner as I could devise.
4: And the future?
5: The future has been taken care of by
4: the forty pounds. Is it not odd that we three should have met by the merest accident in so large a wilderness as London, and be so nearly in the same condition? Yes. Major Hammersmith, I was thinking the very same thing. What's
5: this? Are you two also ruined? Is this bottle of excellent wine the last folly,
4: like my cream tart? Very nearly so. I'm perhaps a week behind you. I still have a few banknotes in my wallet, however. Here now, this bill will take care of the bottle of wine. And the others I throw into the fire. Oh, no. You shouldn't have burned all of them. You should have kept 40 pounds. 40 pounds? Why? Why not 50 or 70? For, to my certain knowledge, there were more than a hundred in his
5: wallet. The only just forty pounds he needed. Without them, there is no admission. The rule is strict. What do you mean? Uh, I have not yet completely emptied my pocketbook. You are not fooling me. You are indeed ruined men, like me. Oh, indeed. Could you muster eighty pounds between you? Well,
4: let me look in my wallet.
5: Yes, eighty and a little over. Then you are indeed most fortunate. Forty pounds each is the initiation fee of the Suicide Club. The Suicide Club? What the devil is that? The Suicide Club is death's private door. It's the ultimate convenience in our modern world. It exists for unfortunates like us. Those to whom the painful agony of corrosive poison is distasteful. For those whose courage fails them when the cold muzzle kills the forage for those whose fear of drowning is greater than their compulsion to die. for these sensitive misfits, the Suicide Club ranges every detail. If you are truly tired of life, I will introduce you tonight to a meeting, and I can assure you that within the week you will be relieved of the burden of living. What do you say? It's more serious than a cream toss, and I suspect more palatable? More serious, certainly. So I... I wonder if you would give Mr. Goddard and me five minutes alone to discuss it. Certainly.
4: I shall wait outside. Your Highness. This adventure must stop here. Nonsense, Colonel Geraldine. I propose to see this through. See it through to what? Death? <laughs> you forget your obligations. Not only to yourself, but to your country. Prince Florizel of Bohemia cannot risk. Tonight I am playing Mr. Goddard. And so I propose to remain. And please remember, Colonel Geraldine, under no circumstances are you to betray my incognito. But your highness... We have survived graver adventures than this one promises to be. And now, Colonel Geraldine, let us pay our bill and accompany our young wastrel to death's private door. Oh, box
5: court. Gentlemen, we have a ride. Here you are, caddy. Keep the change.
4: Oh, thank you,
5: sir. Uh, come on. Well, Mister Goddard, Mister Hammersmith, there is still time to change your mind.
4: Lead on, sir. My mind's made up. And mine. Follow me, then. Dark as a tomb. An apt and concise simile.
5: Are gentlemen at death's private door. Shall we enter? Pray, let's. We may hang your things in here. Should be good enough to wait, I shall call the president. Of
4: all our follies, this is the wildest and most dangerous. I am beginning to believe you are right. Let me beseech your highness to not, not forget you are my aide de camp. Not your father. Yet I am responsible to the king for your well. Colonel Geraldine, you are not afraid. Well, certainly not for myself, but for your highness. Shh, 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 quiet. The president will
5: see in his office. I have vouched for you, but you must give him honest answers. The indiscretion of a single member might lead to the dispersion of the society forever. He can't afford to take that risk. In here. He's waiting for you.
4: Good evening. I am told that you wish to speak to me. We have a desire, sir, to join the Suicide Club. Sir, you've made a mistake. This is a private house. You must leave it instantly. We have come here upon the invitation of a friend of yours. He's already told you of our desires. Believe me, sir, when one has come this far along the path, one is not likely to be turned away and certainly will tolerate little rudeness. Permit me to assure you, either you will oblige us in the matter, or you'll regret ever having admitted us to the premises. <laughs> well, now, that's more like it. This is no place for men not yet desperate. I believe you, sir, but what of your friends? My reasons are even more cogent than Mr. Godall's. I, uh. I was cashiered out of my regiment last week. Why? Cheating at cards. I see. And you, sir, what is your reason for being tired of life? Unadulterated laziness. Don't trifle with me, sir. You must have a better reason than that. I have no more money, and I'm much too lazy to come by any. Hmm. If I did not have a great deal of experience in these matters, I would turn you down. But I have learned that the most frivolous excuses for a suicide often cover a deep and lifelong desire for self-destruction. Thank you for your understanding, sir. Very well. To business. I shall read you the oath of membership to which you will each subscribe. I swear to obey without question the instructions of the president of this association or any of his appointed deputies. Realizing that desirable death could scarcely be a penalty for violating this oath, I am aware that any violation will be met at the discretion of the president by those means deemed suitable by him. Namely, excommunication from the church, loss of whatever honor still attaches to my name, and or, when necessary, violent reprisals against my bereaved family. In full knowledge of the sacredness of this oath, I subscribe my name. Well, gentlemen, you are in a position to enforce those penalties. I am... Hand me the pen. My friend, the pen, please. Major Hammersmith. Thank you. That will be 40 pounds apiece, please. Here you are. Thank you. And now, would you like to join the members in the smoking room? Indeed, we would. This way, please. Just make yourself at home Everyone's quite informal here If you'll pardon me, I have some other matters to attend Come along, Major Let's mingle with the company Your high, be quiet
5: Oh, there you are
4: You got in all right, I see Naturally You'll never regret it I'm sure we shall
5: You care for a game of billiards, uh, and some and
4: No, not a midi, please, thank you I'd like just to wander around and listen to the conversation You'll
5: find it most revealing, I understand She had always stood in the way of anything I wanted to do and I don't care
3: if she was my mother.
4: She cost me one time to offer. You may be sure that really I would you. never have joined this no. wretched club if I had not read The Origin of the Species by Darwin. I could not bear to be descended from an ape. Certainly too I have. Too ghastly you. There are some men who cannot abide the restrictions of the monastery. And after the abbot discovered me, there was nothing I could do. It's incomprehensible I to me. What is? Why, this talk, this boasting, this self-justification... When well, a man has made up his mind to kill himself, let him do it like a gentleman. Be done with the matter.
5: As I told you, there are some of us more frightened of the act than of the
4: result. There's only one man in this room who does not seem to be in a state of hysteria. Who is that, Mr. Goddard? By uh, the gentleman sitting on the divan. Oh, yes. Here's Mr. Maltus. Would you like to meet him? Yes, please. These others are too obvious. There's nothing very subtle about Mr. Maltus. He looks like death himself, wearing thick eyeglasses. Let us discover for ourselves the reason for his relaxation. Mister Marston, eh?
5: I should like to present two new members, Mister Godal and uh, Major Hammersmith. How do you do, gentlemen? How do you do, Mister? Pleasure. Uh, won't you sit down? Well, newcomers, you. newcomers. I envy
3: you the novelty of your first visit. You will learn to relish it if you are spared. Why? My dear sir, this club, gentlemen, is the temple of intoxication. If my health was permitted, you may be sure I would be here more often. For this is my last dissipation. Believe me, sir, I have tried them all. All the vices. (laughs) People trifle with love and ignorantly call it man's most powerful passion. Nonsense, sir. Nonsense. Here. Fear is the strongest passion. It is fear that you must trifle with if you wish to taste the intense joys of living. Envy me, sir.
4: Envy me. I am a coward. Uh, How, sir, is the excitement so artfully prolonged? Oh, uh, of
3: course, of course. I must tell you how the victim uh, for every evening is selected, as well as the member who is to be death's uh, high priest for the occasion.
4: Great heavens. You mean they kill each other? The guilt of suicide is removed in that way. Then I, or my friend, or you, any of us, might be selected this evening to murder another man. Exactly. But how they escape the attentions of the law?
3: Ah, uh, the ingenuity of our president knows no limits. The uh,
4: departures always appear to be accidental. Oh, it's monstrous. On the contrary, my dear major, it is godlike. Oh yes, yes, of course. Uh, But, Mr. Malthus, I am still in the dark as to how the members are selected for the evening's work. Oh, of course. I I forgot to explain. But I see that the others are
3: filing into the card room now, and the play is about to begin. You shall see for yourself. Uh, Will you lend me the help of your arm? I'm quite paralyzed, you know. Oh, of course. Uh, Thank thank you. Uh, ah, This is the moment for which I live. The quintessence of poignancy. The ultimate of passion. Coming here as infrequently as I do, I, I've savored this bitter taste of fear longer than the others. But my turn will come. Who knows? That's right. But how is it done? Uh, tell us what to expect. Oh, it's so simple. The president deals from an ordinary deck playing cards. And each man turns up his card as he receives it. The ace of spades, the card of death, the ace of clubs designates The official of the night. The murderer. If you like. Uh Aha. Here, three chairs together. Happy, happy young men. You have good eyes and can follow the cards. I only make out the faces. Is everyone
4: here? My friend, we still
5: have a fighting chance to escape. Quiet. Let us play the
4: game. Attention, gentlemen. Three clubs. Jack of
3: hearts. End of diamonds. King of clubs. Queen
4: of hearts.
3: Three of spades. Nine of clubs. Six
4: of
5: spades. Oh,
4: no, no! No! It's our young man of the queen Tower. He's drawn the ace of clubs. I came here to be killed, not to kill. I, I want to die. Gentlemen,
3: not murder. I, I must caution
4: the members death. against such unseemly oh, outbursts. I don't, I don't want Since to. Since the ace of spades is not yet turned up, I will continue the deal. Oh, no. Ace of hearts.
3: Oh. Heaven of clubs. Mm. King of diamonds. Mm. Jack of spades. Mm. Eight.
4: <laughs> Mr. Malthus. That concludes the play for the night, gentlemen. Will the member who drew the eighth of clubs come to my office for his instructions? <laughs> Your Highness dreams? Yes. Good morning, Roderick. Good morning, sir. Oh, uh, I shall have my breakfast in bed this morning. Yes, Your Highness. And Colonel Geraldine has been waiting for you to awaken. Oh, very well, surely. Thank you, Your Highness. Sir. Uh, Colonel, it's
5: happy it to see you now.
4: Good morning, Geraldine. Sleep well? Not too well. Did I dream it or were we initiated into the suicide club last night? Seems like a nightmare. It was a nightmare, but you didn't dream it. Here, look at this. The morning paper. Huh? Melancholy accident. This morning, about two o'clock, Mr. Bartholomew Malthus of 16 Chepstow Place, Weston Grove, on his way home from a party at a friend's house, fell off the upper parapet in Trafalgar Square. Fracturing his skull. Death was instantaneous. Mr. Malthus, accompanied by a friend, was engaged in looking for a cab at the time. If ever a soul went straight to hell, it was that poor paralytic. Yes, at least he's dead and out of it. But think of our young man of the cream tart. Last night, that lad was as innocent as you and I. This morning, he is a murderer. Uh, thank heavens, we're safely out of it. Are we? Oh, no. You are not going to return. I must. You are infected with a passion of fear, just as poor Malthus was, perhaps. Whatever it is. Tonight, once more, we take our places at the table of the Suicide Club. Good evening. Good evening, Mister Godard. Back again to try your luck? Yes, indeed. And Major Hammersmith? Good evening. You uh, you are to be congratulated, sir, on the matter of Mr. Malthus. Very neatly handled. <laughs> Thank you. But I shall miss poor old Malthy. He was a man I could talk to. Yes, your bereavement must weigh heavily upon you. Indeed it does, sir. But then it's all in the game. And now you will pardon me. We will sit down to play, directly. A fiend. Powell, fiend of hell! Daddy, my friend. Once more, let me plead with you. Leave this evil house before it's too late. You're very tiresome tonight. Oh, oh! Here's our young friend of the cream tart. Good evening, old chap.
5: Oh, Mister Goddard.
4: Mister Hammersmith. Oh, how
5: I wish I'd never brought you to this infamous place! Oh, leave, leave while your hands are still
4: clean. But our oath—we could not go back upon our oath.
5: We renounce it. Forget everything. Let them do their worst, but leave leave before it's too late. If, if you could have heard the old man scream as I pushed him from the parapet,
4: The crunch of his brittle bones as he fluttered into the yes, I perceive the dealing is about to begin. Shall we go in? Mr.
5: Yes. Mister, Mister Godard, if you have any kindness in your soul, wish the ace of spades for me tonight. There's Nothing left for me but,
4: but to die. Attention, gentlemen. Three of hearts. Queen of space.
5: Ace of diamonds. Green. Times around, and neither black aces come up. We are just thirteen. This at the table. This
3: fourth round. This will. This will tell the tale. Huh? And I am
4: next to last.
5: Only four more gods. King of State. Oh, pray for me, Mr. Goldal. Pray for me. I have one chance in three. Pray that I get the ace.
3: Six of diamonds.
4: And now, I have one chance in two. My friend, don't. Silence. of state. Very well. That concludes tonight's play, gentlemen.
5: Oh, Mr. Goodall. I'd give a million if I had it for your luck.
4: <laughs> I would sell you this card for much less if I could. Well, well, Mr. Goodall. My congratulations. I am pleased to have met you, sir, and to have been in the position to do you this trifling service. At least you can't complain of delay. Yes, yes. And so now before I leave forever... I should like to ask a question. A purely hypothetical question, of course, since I am not a man to go back upon my word. But do you wonder what would happen if you did? If upon the turning of the card you had changed your mind and now wish to live? Precisely. Suppose my friend Major Hammersmith and I elected to ignore our oath. Suppose we began by tearing this place apart. <laughs> 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 You wouldn't even get started. The guests themselves are desperate men, but if they did not stop you, the servants who are even more desperate would. You would never leave this house alive. I see. Well, it was purely an academic question. That's all Very well, then. What are my instructions? You will proceed along the strand in the direction of the city on the left-hand pavement until you come upon a black carriage with drawn curtains. In this carriage will be the member who has tonight drawn the ace of clubs. My executioner. Your collaborator in suicide. You will enter the carriage, and he will continue your instructions. Please have the kindness to obey him in every detail. The authority of the club is vested in his person for the night. I wish you a pleasant walk. Thank you. But first I must say farewell to my friend, Major Hammersmith. I regret that is strictly against the rules. No farewells. Too disturbing for the still living members. You will leave through this side door to the workroom. But I must have... We won't have any trouble now, will we, Mr. Godot? No. No, of course not. Your coat and hat. Your stick. Thank you. Again, Mr. Godot. A most pleasant walk. That's private door. Why didn't I listen to Geraldine before it was too late? All right. What, what is this? You know My instructions are to meet the coach yes. in the strand. Well, will take this coach right now. Get in oh. with me. All
5: right. Take this one away.
4: Yeah. Your Highness will pardon the violation of his person Geraldine Oh, my friend It was quite necessary under the circumstances As soon as you turned up the ace of spades I slipped out of the house to prepare for your escape But how did you manage it? When I realized I could not dissuade you from attending the club tonight I retained the services of a certain capable and reliable private detective But his secrecy has been bought and paid for his men are now raiding the suicide club. The members will be removed to your townhouse, where it remains for you to pass judgment upon them. That I will gladly do, and with the utmost dispatch. Mm-hmm.
5: What have they brought us here for? They didn't look like Scotland Yard men to me. What difference does it make? Perhaps uh, it'll be a quicker way out.
3: Gentlemen. What? Why, that's
5: my friend, Major Hammersmith.
4: His Royal Highness, Prince Florizel of Bohemia. Oh, oh, the oh, Bohemia. Of
5: Bohemia. Why, that's that right. that, Mr. Godin. Well, well, always thought there was something odd about this, too.
4: Gentlemen. Tonight, we have removed you from a house of death to a house of life and hope. Those of you who have come to your present condition through lack of fortune will receive employment and remuneration from my treasury. Those who have been driven to this unnatural solution of their problem by the agonies of guilt must find amnesty from a power greater than mine. Power that eternally promises the forgiveness of sins no matter how grievous only one of you is truly evil. And him I shall deal with myself. Where is he? Where is the president of the club? Colonel Gilda. Why, he should be here, Your Highness. I well, beg your highness, pardon. Who is this man, Gilda? The chief of the detective. Yes? What is it? Was you referring to the sallow chap with the sword whiskers and a black suit? Yes, that's the one. The Uh-oh. president of the suicide club. Where is he? The idea. Why not? Well, when we broke into the little office down there at the club, we found him sprawled over the desk with a little empty bottle in his hand. He'd committed suicide. <laughs> Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and tonight brought you The Young Man with the Cream Tart by Robert Louis Stevenson, adapted for radio by Mr. Robson, with Paul Fries as Prince Florizel, Bill Johnstone as Colonel Gerald and Barton Yarborough as The Young Man. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week... After you've put in a tough day at the office leaning over a hot stove, when your four walls seem to be closing in on you, next week when you want to get away from it all, we offer you escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That was The Young Man with the Cream Tarts from Escape, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a listener request as we are here back on the air so to speak in January heading back into our listener library and getting caught up on all these wonderful requests from our listeners that we appreciate so much. Nobody appreciates it more than me um, (laughs) because what you're doing is making me not work. I don't have to go find anything. I just do your request and then Joshua tells me what to do. When you guys don't have requests, Joshua's like, what's your episode this week? And I'm like, ah, I love a mystery. Ah, I love a mystery. Alright, so, and that came to us from Joshua. Other right? Joshua? Yeah, not you, the other Joshua. Uh, There's listener. only
1: two of us. Yep, there is. We
0: didn't read his uh, request. But uh, there, did...
1: there was no request. It was just an, a mysterious email from a Joshua, with just the title of this episode. Oh, okay.
0: So it wasn't like I really love this because I grew up with this, or any nope. no background from him. I'm, no, c- it was curious. more of a
1: challenge, really. It's like <laughs> <laughs> a dare. Just... Or maybe it wasn't a request. Maybe it was just a dirty email I got. Says, Young man with the cream tarts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was code. I was like, what? I will say this, that I don't know anything about this. I've never heard it. I don't know the background of the literature. The first thing that struck me, though, that was difficult, quite an obstacle, was getting over William Conrad saying cream tarts. (laughs) That's it. The cream tarts. (laughs) That was somewhat disturbing. It sounded like a
2: parody. I'm going to guess that cream tarts was meant to imply something super decadent at the time, which now it just sounds kind of sticky
0: because <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right let's break that down really quick seriously what's a tart i know it's a dessert and i know it's like a donut like an 1860s donut i don't know what what, <laughs> what is it's a, a, tart? It's a
1: little dessert uh, i guess I was they have like tiny a, crusts
0: they look like little pies yep okay i've seen them you don't see them much anymore do you? Or you, is there a tart shop? Well, That's you, a different you can thing get them, Yeah. <laughs> you can
1: get them at any bakery. You can get them at Whole Foods.
0: Oh, look at you. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> All right. This guy has eaten 20, what, four of them? Was that how many he ate before he was Yeah, that? Yeah, it was away? a little
2: side oddity. They're like, I'm trying to give these tarts away. And if you don't take one, I have to eat it. And so I'm almost killing myself on tart. <laughs>
1: it well, was his 27th tart since 5 p.m.
0: I will tell you, before we break this down, in general, I like this episode a lot. There's a lot to like about it. There's also a lot of places to get lost. Let's start with, so why is he walking into the bar giving away tarts? Because he wants to die and he's doing one last frivolous thing? He's
1: spending his money, what's left of his money. That's right. It strikes me as a cry for help. It's also a way to portray what a frivolous young man he is. He's being, I think... Self-referential and ironic. He feels he has wasted his life, and so he's going to do one grand, wasteful gesture.
4: I
2: took it as, and maybe I'm wrong here, it was actually a rule of admission to the club.
0: Uh-huh. That it will
2: cost you $40, and it has to be your last $40.
0: Ah, that's cooler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that makes sense. I think it works either way, like whatever sure. the reason he had to get rid you, of Yeah, this you have to money. be objectively ruined to be part mm-hmm. of this club. It's a reflection of his own decadent past that brought him to this ruinous situation. It is a contrast to the generosity at the end as opposed Mm -hmm. to the sort of kind
2: of
0: generosity at the front. There's an odd thing that before I find out that he's a prince or a king or whatever he is, a royalty and his manservant or general or whatever he is. Uh, There's a point at the beginning where you say, Oh, let me get this straight. So, a guy comes in with Mm tarts and you're (laughs) like, yeah, let's get the food from the weird guy and eat it. (laughs) So that's, there's a huge problem there. Like, no, you shouldn't eat the weird guy's food. You know, like when I used to be in radio we had a thing called listener food. Listeners always wanted to bring us food, especially around the holidays. And we put it on a table and with the big signs that listener food, no one would touch it. <laughs> so if you love radio and you're like, I'm sending a pie to my favorite DJ, just so you know, who does eat it is the starving interns.
2: If a raccoon gave me a donut,
0: I'd eat it. Right. But if you work in talk radio and you have opinions, you don't really like uh, listener food, or trust it. So anyway, I guess I'm afraid of stranger food. Uh, so-
1: <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that serve as a hook to this story? I mean, I think at the beginning, you're like, what's going on here? And why are these two guys it, yes. engaged with them? But it
0: gets so weird. Also, the second level of that is, okay, we'll eat your tarts if you come home with this stranger.
1: and not come home, that's a different episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and have dinner with us, and then they're not giving their real names. Until I find out, much later in the story that the gimmick is that this prince likes to go out in public incognito and have adventures Mm -hmm. uh, and be protected from it.
1: That's about five minutes into the episode. It was
0: three hours in. So I... (laughs) (laughs) My time frame... Things are hard on me. (laughs) So when I figured that out, I could go back and go, oh, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. My but... point being is the back and forth, back and forth, trying to piece this together was difficult sometimes for me.
2: The why of why that prince does what he does, uh-huh. what, that's what really interested me in this of like seeing him through the point of view of Geraldine, which parenthetically, I could not help but think of Flip Wilson every time. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs>
1: it's
2: like No, I'm with your, you. Your assistant is Flip Wilson
0: and yes. drag. And we just told something to four people <laughs> over 50. It yeah. did
2: cross my mind as I was digesting this, as it were. I feel like I'm cutting this a little slack because it's Robert Louis Stevenson. How much would I judge this more harshly if I didn't have the sense
0: of its literature? I really didn't judge it that way. I judged it as a story. And I will say this, that When you get to the meat of this, that it's a club for suicide, I think it's really a fascinating, cool story in that way. And I've never heard anything like it, other than maybe Fight Club could kind of be that. But it does, at the end, have an element of a really good episode of Undercover Boss. (laughs) (laughs) You guys... Undercover
1: Prince of Bohemia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't realize the first time I heard this many years ago that it was Robert Louis Stevenson. And I will say that I love the strangeness of the intro because Mm -hmm. I feel like, like the Prince, I am listening to this episode of escape for escape. I'm looking for some form of distraction or entertainment. So I sort of empathize with him who sees this guy giving away cream tarts. It's a bizarre way to start a thriller (laughs) 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 and I was hooked from the get go by that. And it makes sense that he's asking all these questions and he wants to take them out to dinner because this is a prince who doesn't get to do anything other than royal stuff. And <laughs> clearly he just wants to have adventures. And which that's is a, an old, a
0: very appealing idea. Which is an old trope, mm-hmm. but I, I like it, you know, undercover bosses the
2: same <laughs> <he has laughs> trope. Similarly hooked by like the mystery of these two guys gave
1: fake names. So there's a story there I want to know. They give the fake names before you know exactly who they are yet. And even the young man with the cream tart goes... Yeah, those sound pretty <laughs> fake. So I'm not going to give you mine, <laughs> even yeah. even though he's on his way to suicide. Smith. Like, mm, this yeah. is
0: weird. They were. I, this is a it? fishing scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I am not buying into this timeshare. What was the fake general name? I loved it. Hammersmith
1: or yeah, something it, like it really beautiful. strong, and it was like Theophilus Goodall or something really over the top for the prince's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the the actual section in the
2: club. That mm-hmm. was where I felt like. I have criticism here that I feel I should temper because it's great literature. But it, the actual mechanics of dealing out the cards mm-hmm. seemed like this should be the big tense moment in the story, and it kind right. of didn't do that for me. The very first time, at the very top, when they have the little teaser of Ace of Spades, mm-hmm. this means that you're gonna die mm-hmm. and without any explanation. Like, ooh, I'm I'm hooked. But when they actually got to it, they just like, oh, you're listing off cards.
0: Right, I'm with it. Like, it didn't build attention as much as it could I have found it somehow. really
1: tense. Mm. But could this have to do with you as a game designer, that you think yes. the, <laughs> that this should be the biggest moment of the, the actual right. story? Did,
2: my brain did kick in a little to, to board game analysis of, like, yes, you have a one-in-three chance. Yes, you have one-in-two chance. <laughs> There's no decision-making process here. This is not a fun game. You should have test marketed this, <laughs> president of
1: the Suicide Club.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, you'd hate war, (laughs) the the card game. I do know war. Oh, all right. That's what you play with six-year-olds at the cabin.
1: Yes, you can have two robots play that against each other.
0: (laughs) I'd watch that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When the prince tells the president that he is just tired of life, basically his excuse for suicide is unadulterated laziness. (laughs) I thought that was a great moment because you suspect that perhaps there's a grain of truth to that. He's creating a lie out of something real, which is why he's out looking for adventure. That was the part of the story that I was totally fascinated by. Like, why
2: are you at the suicide club? You don't seem like you want to die,
1: but you're at a suicide club. And so that's the point of view of Geraldine the entire time going, uh, sir. (laughs) uh, Excuse me. Prince of an entire country. (laughs) And I think it's interesting, too, that the president acknowledges this psychological side of suicide in that moment, because at first Mm -hmm. he doesn't believe the prince. Like, Mm -hmm. that seems a pretty flimsy excuse for wanting to end your life. But he says the most frivolous excuses for a suicide often cover a deep and lifelong desire for self-destruction, which makes him at that moment, to me, a villain, very clearly, Mm -hmm. because he is acknowledging that this is a mental pathology. This isn't Dr. Kevorkian mercifully ending a terminally ill person's life. So I feel like that's the moment that casts him 100% as the villain of the piece. Another part that I just loved, and I I
2: wish there would have been more of it, was that little background conversation at the party of... What people talk about at the Suicide Club.
0: Yeah, when you walk by them, it's too quick. I wanted to hear... I mean, I
2: like the tone of it, but I just Mm -hmm. wanted so much more, because it's an amazing idea of what are you talking about while you're waiting to see if you die or not. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved how brief it was.
1: It's just these little snippets, and we know that the prince is disdainful of these people. We're kind of hearing it through uh, the prince's ears. These are just, like, dismissive little... Babblings of, And they're all young. He makes a point of saying, these are young men. And I'm wondering if that's Stevenson's comment on society in general at that moment or the frivolous nature of youth, because they spend a lot of time, who I think is the most interesting character in here, Mr. Malthus. The old one. Yes. And I find him really disturbing (laughs) (laughs) when they describe him as um, it looks like death himself wearing thick eyeglasses (laughs) and his entire monologue uh, about... People trifle with love ignorantly and call it man's most powerful passion. But fear is the strongest passion. Just the idea of this old, infirm man. In the story, they tell you that he's 44. He has just been ruined Mm -hmm. by his own sins. And he's (laughs) just there getting off on the fear of everyone else in the club. And he says, envy me, sir. I am a coward. (laughs) (laughs) By coincidence, I
2: happened to, in the last week, watch the movie Annihilation. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Mm
0: -mm. Of course not.
2: Um, But there is a... (laughs) Is it one of the Marvels movies? (laughs) We'll say yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's a theme in that. They talk about the difference between self-destructive behavior and suicide. To criminally uh, sum it up, very, very few people actually have a suicidal impulse, but everyone has self-destructive impulses. Uh, And so it was interesting to have that in the back of my head, listening to this, of that specific little threading a needle of, I want to die, but I don't want to do it myself, so I want to have this structure there to do it for me and what that is, and sort of romanticizing self-destruction, I
1: guess. Mm -hmm. There's another element that the story doesn't really bring out, in this era, suicide was scandalous. If right, you know, part of it's... the church, it was a sin. To, oh, right. to be murdered was a tragedy, and your family wouldn't have any sort of fallout right. from that. <laughs> they wouldn't feel bad. <laughs> no, but they, they would miss <laughs> they you, wouldn't but suffer. They wouldn't, yes, wouldn't be social be stigmatized and, right. in any way.
0: Uh, the ending of this, I need a little help with why the president killed himself.
1: Because he... a bunch of private detectives came in and... Started
0: taking but everybody out of him, his club, but they found him dead.
1: My assumption is just like if they were the okay. police, heard them coming. It was went the, the Russians j- going into the Nazi bunker. And- yeah.
0: Oh, so it's the and warden he- and Shawshank. Okay. To me, it that was sounded a like
1: weird series of metaphors. Which is-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you get my confusion. Like, yes. Like okay, you know, you go down there and you find that 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 carriage and good have a nice walk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, so that let's talk- moment of you have been chosen, you're going to be the victim great, let me just go talk to my guy. Like, nope, you're going to that yeah. door right now. That moment really had an impact.
0: Well, that was the moment where he went, oh, no. <laughs> that was uh, how I can get out of everything is Geraldine. Yeah, you're right, that moment. Acting. I do this on purpose a lot. I don't want to know the actors. Mm-hmm. We have coming up one coming up in a couple of weeks or so that you <laughs> that, that this actually plays into very well. But if I know the actors, that can sometimes ruin it. Like, oh, that's so-and-so. So I don't listen... At the beginning, if they're like starring so-and-so-and-so-and-so, I just found out in your intro that you mm-hmm. wrote that the prince was Paul Freese.
1: Paul I, Freeze, Paul Freese's voice is you know, so recognizable and and to me.
0: He's not to me because he's the man of a thousand voices. <laughs> I had five moments where I went, is it Orson? He sounded oh, wow. so much like Orson Welles that I was like, Because he's playing an
1: aristocratic jerk. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Is exactly. That Orson?
0: <laughs> Mr. Howell sounds like Orson Welles.
1: <laughs> I was Every say, boss I've had sounds <laughs> like Orson, Orson, Welles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Orson Welles. Lovey.
0: And she's like, mad at me. My wife sounds like Orson Welles. <laughs> Uh, the other one that blew me away <laughs> was uh, I've never heard Barton Yarborough sound so different than Barton Yarborough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I found out in the opening that that was Barton Yarborough, I went, what? Yeah, I did not recognize Because <laughs> that is him, yeah. way out of his uh, wheelhouse of what he normally yeah, does. Yeah, and
1: he plays quite a range in there from the yes, um, he does. devil may care young man with the cream tarts at the beginning to losing it when he finds out he has to become a murderer. Mm-hmm. Which is a distressing scene. Cause, it's very yeah, distressing because yeah, you expect the agony to come from the victim, and mm-hmm. um, when he freaks out, it's really nice. And the prince underscores that at one point. I can't remember where, where he says, "Well, that innocent man just became a murderer."
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And then Bill Johnstone is another guy. Does his voice for you like? That's Bill Johnstone. You get it right away.
1: I recognized him halfway through. Okay. There are moments it goes away and then it comes back and you can hear that recognizable okay. Lamont Cranston voice
2: coming right. through I didn't. Me.
0: I didn't hear him at all. I just love when actors
2: do great work. Usually more in tune with catching a voice, but this one, it's not like I didn't recognize who they were, but it didn't impact me of like, that is that person.
0: I actually got a little distracted by Orson Welles being in this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he doing and, Every song on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on certain channels, yes. (laughs) One of
1: the things that fascinates me about this episode is that as it goes along, because the prince is so authoritative when he comes in and just talks his way into the suicide club, that when he goes back, I was convinced he had a plan. (laughs) I thought, like, no, when he said, no, Geraldine, we're going back. And then he gets the card, and he's just like,
2: what have I done?
1: <laughs> right. Like, he has no plan. It made me almost think, are they playing around with the idea that he has some subconscious suicidal tendencies, and that's why he's drawn to right. this? That but was yeah. totally what I was thinking. Yeah. Right?
0: Well, it's exactly how I go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a lot of confidence walking in you there. Strut, in, strut and in and crawl out. out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. One of the things that I thought was jarring in this adaptation was after the first card deal, when the young man with the cream tarts becomes the murderer of Mr. Malthus, it just cuts away, and the prince is, ah, the next morning, and he <laughs> seems totally unaffected. It's right.
0: Is that a dream?
1: Breakfast and he's reading the newspaper. It's really played or directed or written like it has zero effect on them. But in some ways, that's the whole evening of...
2: I'm going into a room, a party, where every single person here has expressly worked towards getting themselves killed. Mm -hmm. And at what point do
1: you start kicking in some sympathy? Which I guess for him, the end is when he starts Mm -hmm. kicking in a lot of sympathy. Uh, The end is really fascinating. I know we made the undercover boss jokes, and it's a little odd that he just reveals himself as the Prince of Bohemia and tells everybody what he's going to do for them. It's a
0: brand new car! Yeah. I
1: expected someone to say, you're not the boss of me! Go back to Bohemia! <laughs>
0: everybody look under your seats!
1: Uh, but it's a really interesting character moment for him in that he, like you said, finds this generosity and there's a gift-giving that reflects the tarts in the opening and that he also parses out people who are suicidal by circumstance, and mm. people who feel guilt and some mental I issues. can't help I you. I can't really help you. You're going to have to see a priest, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting, in the short story, they smooth that over because they refer back to the oath, and he is such a noble person that he took the oath of the suicide club that he will not go to the authorities and that Mm -hmm. is why he rounded them up and that's why Uh. he is taking care of them personally to both do what he thinks is right while Mm -hmm. still fulfilling his his oath and word, which I wish they had found a way to squeeze in there.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let's vote on this, shall we? You know, it's just really well constructed, really great cast. Uh, it's escape, it's a unique story. I'm going to go with classic. Uh, it has a few beats and a few things that weren't phenomenal, but it definitely stands the test of time. As a
2: piece of radio, I think it's great, the stands the test of time. The story itself, I think, even in you know, an accurate translation of the story, has a few dated things that it it takes a little bit of accommodating Mm -hmm. to get the impact of it. So I'll split the difference and say mostly a classic. (laughs) Kind of a classic.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great episode. I think it stands the test of time. There's so much that I like about it. I don't think I'm going to call it a classic, mainly because it's competing with itself. Uh, (laughs) And there's so many classic episodes of Escape. And one of my New Year's resolutions is to sort of, Clarify what I call a classic in this podcast, and
0: <laughs> now you're starting. Yes,
1: that's a of, classic resolution.
0: As of oh, 2019,
1: I'm trying to reframe my classic judgments. Is more like if you compare it to classrooms, like an A plus isn't necessarily a classic. You need to be able to, like, teach the class. That's what makes it a classic. That's wow. my, That's my new deep, deep yeah That's
0: deep, deep stuff there, brother. Yeah. Wow. So
1: I, I wouldn't call this a total classic. I feel uh, bad about squandering my New Year's <laughs> Eve. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could have made a resolution about treating my family better. <laughs> right?
0: There's so many things uh, you could have done. You
1: know, recycling. But yeah. <laughs> I made it about an old-time radio podcast.
0: And then it, went through my milk cartons in the regular garbage again
1: (laughs) Uh, if you did enjoy this though I would recommend reading the short story I read it after reading this of course Um, you did one of the things that bugged me about the end of this was the president committing suicide it just seemed a little too pat yeah I didn't like it at all uh, in the original trilogy without giving away too much the trilogy is about the prince and Geraldine's pursuit through these other stories of the president of the Suicide Club. Oh. So um, I've only read the first uh, story, but I'm excited to read the other two. It's
0: like, so yeah. it's like Sherlock getting Moriarty kind of stuff? <laughs>
1: yeah, it very nice. much is. Uh, the last thing I want to quickly say that I love occasionally happens with me in Escape, and I don't know if it happens to you guys, where your life syncs up with the intro.
2: Because
1: <laughs> I, I listened to oh. this a couple weeks before Christmas. I did not. We've been sitting up... Uh, me and my wife trying to figure out our Christmas presents and we had like <laughs> spreadsheets out, and we were gonna buy Christmas <laughs> presents for and where the money's coming from. And I was like, ah, can we just maybe listen to this episode of Escape? I have to listen to it for the podcast. And the wife's sure. And we turn it on, and William Conrad comes on and says, Done with your Christmas shopping yet. Worried about where the money's coming from. And Adrian and I both went, Yes! <laughs> Damn it, I, escape. <laughs> I had, decided to was, give up and listen to some radio. <laughs> it was perfect.
0: I had a moment many years ago when Laura Dern was on the cover of Rolling Stone. And I was looking at the magazine. And I said out loud to myself, wow, Laura Dern looks good. And Jay Leno <laughs> said on my television, doesn't Laura Dern look good? And I went, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just answered the TV and he was holding that. It was very odd.
1: It's a very odd story. So you were at home holding that magazine while watching Jay
0: Leno? Yeah. I I was doing a lot. Different times. Different times.
1: It it was the nineties.
0: It seemed like the thing to do back then. Only had four channels and one magazine. That was all that was published. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Tell them stuff. Please go visit
2: ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast on the interwebs. There you'll find other episodes. You will also find information about our live shows. We're at to start up again here at the James J. Hill Center, uh, doing live shows there. That is, if it's still 2018, just make sure that we're not... 19. It's
0: 2019. 2019. The
2: future is now. (laughs) I'm so old. (laughs) (laughs) Doing live shows in 2019.
0: (laughs) Hurry up before you die.
2: It's also a great way to get a hold of us. You'll find a contact page. You can comment on episodes. You can find our
1: links to our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and become a supporter of this podcast. We've got a lot of great rewards for listeners. We've got a whole Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio members-only podcast. And uh, we've got a whole backlog now of episodes. So if you uh, make a donation, you can listen to those. It's... um, very exciting! I've suddenly forgotten every single episode we've ever done. On there. <laughs> but there are some fun episodes. Um, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. And uh, finally, I want to thank you, Joshua, for sending us this episode. Yeah, uh, we enjoyed it very much. it's coming up next? It's Tim's episode. Oh, uh, this is another uh, listener library
2: recommendation. Uh, we'll be listening to an episode of The Clock, which I'm very excited about. The title of the story is Aunt Emmy. Until then,
5: we end of time. Club.
4: Queen of cream pots.